Good afternoon to you. It is Thursday, November 16th at 2.10 p.m. Hope you and your you and your family are well. Hope you and the people that you're gathered around this very computer screen are well as, as well at work. I assume that's what's happening uh, since it's an unusual time for a quick cast. But I wanted to put a little content in here based on my reaction to the signing of this year's basketball recruiting class. If you don't know this, I'm not a big recruiting guy, but I am a big fan of youth movements. And when they are officially signed, I love talking about uh, the incoming freshmen. And why not talk about it now since the sixth member of the class is here, uh, Jakari Harris, uh, the son, one of the sons of uh, Glenn Robinson. I'll talk a little bit about uh, these guys and maybe just put my opinion on. You've heard a lot of people talk about it already if you're hungry for this content. Of course, Brian Newbert has covered this as well as anybody over at Golden Black. But uh, I'll just put a little bit of my, uh, put out some of my excitement and my spin on it for you before I do it. Uh, thanks to uh, our friends at Home Field Apparel. I'm wearing a shirt from them right now. Head over to homefieldapparel.com, enter Boiled23 at checkout for 15% off your initial order. And also, uh, when on campus, head over to AJ's, AJ's on Vine. Great people. Uh, you hear me say it over and over. Great people, great food, uh, TV's on the wall. You can't go wrong on a game day uh, when you head over to AJ's. It's burgers, beef, and beer. That's AJ's. Good people. Um more importantly than anything. So let me talk about this class real quickly and tell you what why I think they're important. Obviously, obviously it's important whenever you have a class that starts getting the national media's attention because it generally says, at Purdue, it generally says these guys are pretty special. There's something that happens, like there's a throttling that seems to happen in uh, recruiting rankings with a lot of online magazines. It seems that if, if a guy stays in the hopper a while and he's good, he gets he get, he'll get bumped up to kind of increase the drama, and to increase the storylines and make things more juicy. Especially once they they make that big signing, they pick up the hat that's in front of them on the table, and then that five star guy um, he he becomes something that the media everybody wants to talk about. Well, Purdue had the exact opposite happen this year with Cannon Catchings. Catchings um, Catchings was a guy that was a five-star, if you don't know this, uh, spring of last year. And then he was downgraded to a four-star. And Anish and I talked a, bit, a little bit about this on the Handsome Hour. I still don't, I mean, I get it. I get why it happened, but I still don't get why it happened. He got passed by a bunch of guys, by probably six to 10 guys in the rankings. And so he gets bumped down to a four-star. But even as a even as a four star, and even with this class, some of these guys not getting a ton of respect when they deserve it. Purdue still is between sounds like seventh to thirteenth, seventh to fourteenth in America, depending on the magazine that's looking at this Purdue class. This is a pretty special group. This is probably no, this is undoubtedly the best recruiting class according to recruiting magazines since the baby boilers came a long time ago. Someone asked about this on Twitter. Is this painter's best class? I think you could argue it's the best class for different reasons. Volume makes a big difference. Um, fulfilling needs is obviously a huge deal. Um, but that baby boilers class was third in America, according to rivals. This class is not going to get up there in that top three. Uh, a friend of mine and I were talking, we were texting about this. And I think this is probably worthy of a top five recruiting class, but I don't think they're going to get there. <clears throat> Nothing's going to change in their their rankings now. They're not going to they're not going to skyrocket now that all these guys are signed, obviously. 
But once they're signed, I think we can we can officially celebrate as Purdue fans because they're not just recruits. They're not just guys that might come to Purdue. They're not guys that have given a verbal commitment or anything, um, uh, you know, in the ether like that. This is these are guys that are signed on and they're coming on campus. Of course, Jakari uh, Harris is a huge deal. He's out of Atlanta, the Atlanta area. He, he flirted with Georgia Tech a bit at the end, but it seemed like it was always a deal that he was coming to Purdue. He's a legacy. He's, he's Glenn Robinson's son. He'll be the fifth legacy player on the roster, I believe, next year. I don't know exactly who. I never can remember who has full, um, uh, who can come back next year, who has eligibility left. I don't know anymore. I'm not going to pretend like I do. But five legacy players if they can if they have the same group plus Jakari Harris is ridiculous and it, let's see yeah it's five five legacy players it's incredible it's incredible and it's a lot of good, that says a lot about the health of the program i think it's great when you see guys um decide to go to Purdue and their dads went there especially my age group all these guys uh, most of these guys their dads were in my age group most um but these guys are not just like, I mean, like you've got some some absolute beasts on this roster that are the sons of ex Boilermakers, and that's that's great to see. I still, there's some things I don't quit remembering, I don't give up on, and I still remember Bob Greasy's son Brian choosing Michigan back when I was at when I was in high school. I think he and I are right around the same age, and it pissed me off. <laughs> and I remember Bob saying, you know, why would you go to Purdue right now? Michigan has a better upside, and I get that. But Bob Greasy is a boilermaker. Even to this day, you know, he's still, well, the last time I heard him talk, still very positive about the Purdue football program. So I want to see guys that have sons and daughters that, that play sports and are looking to go play Division One Power 5 sports. I want them to come to Purdue, of course. So Jakar Harris, getting him uh, is big for a, uh, a lot of reasons. His, uh, his I think, half-brother, Jalen, uh, was a boilermaker, but his other half-brother, Glenn Robinson III, um, of course went to Michigan and that was, that was a bit of a heartbreaker. That was in a time where recruiting was very frustrating to follow if you're a Purdue fan. Um, and it's the last year to three years. It seems like there hasn't been a whole bunch of drama, like signing day defections. Those always bother me. They always get under my skin and I try not to care until they're signed. I try I always say, don't fall in love to something with something that's not yours. And we don't know these guys. We don't know the, the voices that are in, in their ears. I always say that there's a lot of, they get a lot of counsel from people that maybe um, you wouldn't you wouldn't agree with, but you know maybe they got an uncle who has a really you know a strong uh, a strong pull with them, and they've never liked the color gold, and so they decide they're going to go someplace else. But this class stayed intact and intact. If you look at the class, one thing I really like about it, I like the fact you've got you've got varied skill sets. You've got um, Variable sized guys, but you when one there are a couple of common commonalities. One, a lot of length in this class. A lot of guys with long arms that um, make it really difficult uh, to get around. If they were playing, regardless what defense they're playing, uh, it's going to be man under Painter. Um, but they're going to be defensively tough. They're going to be rangy. And the other thing is they can shoot. Newbert talked about this, and I don't know as much about these guys. I've I've tried to go through and watch as much many YouTube highlights as I can of this class and um, everything I see is very impressive. It's tough to envision some of these guys playing with big 10 big men specifically. I think of um, 
some of the guys that they're going to have to lean on and are going to be leaning on them. You've got to, it's hard to think of those guys playing Big Ten basketball. But then again, and I've compared a couple of these guys to a little bit of Matt Harms, right? Matt Harms did a pretty good job. May not have been the best fit in the Purdue system at that point, but Matt Harms was pretty skilled and he was pretty good too. I mean, let's let's not forget some of the things he did. I First thing I think of, of course, is, is beating IU almost by himself. Purdue had a horrible offensive game. IU fans still hate Matt Harms because of that. And for that reason, Matt Harms is, is high in my book. But Matt Harms is a guy that never filled out. And generally, Purdue, got, Purdue bigs, when they come uh, on campus, they put on some weight. Coach Brantley gets to work, and they change. They become better. Their technique's better. They're better with dealing, con- uh, dealing with contact. They're better with going things simple like going straight up on defense, not trying to reach over when you're, when you're uh, trying to block shots. Look at Zach Eady as a freshman and sophomore. Um, as freshman, I guess. No, freshman and sophomore, you can say that. Um, he's, I guess, freshman more than freshman, sophomore. Okay, look at him as a freshman, though, and how different his game was. He, he, his technique was not good, and he was pretty raw, and Coach Brantley is the best developer of big men in America. There is no doubt. Um, he is uh, underappreciated by many members of the national media. I think Purdue family, though, we can all agree at his importance and how much that's a building block for Matt Painter. Now, if you disagree or agree with Purdue having a guy with his back to the basket all the time, always having a presence in the post, I guess I'm going to just have to say, well, suck it up for a little while because it's here. And it's clear that this is something Painter wants to keep in, in, in his system. But it will change. We're going to see a difference in the next couple of years because these guys are not Zach Eady. These guys aren't A.J. Hammonds, really. Um, we're seeing a different brand of player, more of a European uh, style of game where guys can pop out and shoot the three. We haven't seen much of Berg yet in that type of role, but I think he's a guy, if you look back at some of his um, his videos from before he came to Purdue, he he liked to square up and face the basket and, and shoot a deep ball. Will he do that at Purdue? I don't know. I don't know. Um, but I do think um, we're going to see more of that. I just think we are. I think the game will modernize and I think it'll be forced. As I said to you guys over and over, if you if you listen here a lot, I appreciate that. But as I keep saying is Painter and company keep taking swings in the form of really talented players. And when you take these swings, eventually something breaks. Eventually you get in the right time, in the right place during the NCAA tournament, the right draw, and good things happen. And this class is another example of, man, Purdue is just reloading. They are just reloading over and over. Kind of funny. I wanted to say, talk about one more thing, two more things actually, before I um, talk to you guys in the comments because I'm trying to get out of here relatively quickly. Um, one thing I want to say is um, it's kind of funny if you've been paying attention all to other uh, non-Purdue outlets. Uh, Field of 68 is the one that I think of more than anything. Every time there's a game or if there's one of these big nights where multiple top 10 teams play, they're telling you who the best team in the nation is right now. And I know this is what they do. This is what they're, you know, they actually get paid. They're not just like me and and doing it uh, because they're sick. But they've got to talk about something. So reacting to play is better than to reacting the off season. Reacting to something that's real when two highly ranked teams or two ranked teams period play. All of a sudden, that team, the the higher-ranked team, is the best team in the nation. Right now, we're hearing a lot from places like that. Some are saying Purdue's the best team. Some are saying Kansas is the best team. Some are saying Arizona. The really interesting thing is Purdue's going to have a chance to really prove themselves, as we know, over the coming weeks. Uh, 
because of this schedule. The schedule is so monstrous. I keep predicting Purdue will have their first loss um, in the non-conference, non-NCA tournament um, in what three years, two and a half years. Pretty incredible stat. Um, but I think they'll have their first loss in in Hawaii this year. I just it's just kind of the way I feel about it, and I don't think it's the end of the world. I don't think anybody should think it's the end of the world. If you're like me and you say, okay, let's enjoy the ride. You know, I really got my eyes down the road on the NCAA tournament, but you believe, hey, maybe it can happen. Maybe better things can happen. Maybe we can actually see something come. Then you should say, okay, ride with the losses. There's a greater, there's a greater picture here. And if you're not, if you're one of the people that just love the regular season, you can say there's still chances to improve. To me, to my untrained eye, I watch Purdue play and I'm like, okay, it's a work in progress team. The spacing, the unusual lineups, I still think I would love to see Gillis back in that starting lineup for a lot of reasons. I think he's dead steady. I think his versatility is is noteworthy. Um, and I think he just, with spacing on defense, he's so much better. I'm not saying throw the baby out with the bathwater and Trey Kaufman-Wren isn't worth playing. I'm just saying the starting lineup needs to make a statement. And right now the starting lineup doesn't seem to make the statement that I want them to. That's all. That's all. Other thing I wanted to talk a little bit about is, of course, Purdue plays Northwestern on Saturday at noon. Uh, Northwestern's coach is officially their coach. David Braun was hired. Um, they removed the interim tag on him. And um, I think it's an interesting sub-story. I think it's funny that he was involved in the program. I know he hadn't been there long, but he was involved in the program when some of the hazing stuff was coming down, and he hadn't been there long, um, but he was still there. And how quickly we all forget that now there's no problem there. I think he's a pretty solid coach. It's clear he's a good motivator. It's incredible that the chip on the shoulder that team has played with has been really noteworthy and good on Northwestern for, uh, for the players for rallying around him. Hopefully they've removed all the stupid habits they had in place that were that were messing people up and um, shouldn't shouldn't be in a locker room anymore. Um, but it's it's probably the right thing, the right hire for them. I I just. I look around and I see so many college, you know, programs chasing, right? Chasing the wrong guy, the wrong fit. He seems like a good fit. And you really want coaches, you want players in the program that are that good fit. So it'll be a fun weekend regardless. Uh, Purdue will play basketball on Monday again in, in Hawaii. But in the meantime, we'll have to just deal with some football on Saturday. A lot of people here on, I appreciate appreciate you guys breaking away from your busy work schedules. Uh, let me, let me, uh, Nate Anderson's here. Says, good day, Boiler Dad. How are you, sir? Greg, how are you? Um, let's see. Ted Berkey, future is bright. Yeah, it's, it's, it's as bright as I can ever remember it. I mean, I'm for, I'm only 48 years old. Um, some of you guys, hopefully we got some younger people in here, but, um, I'm 48. I, I think Greg is like the same age as me right around there. Um, and I haven't been, I don't know if I can say it. I, I could say that. I I don't know if I've been this optimistic about personnel ever uh, in the history of the Purdue basketball program. Just the way the roster is built, top to bottom, the and it keeps happening, where you've got so many p- players, so many talented guys. The question is, who's going to get the playing time? Who's going to get the minutes? Because there's a lot of guys there that you look at, okay, if they're in a different system, they may be a starter, but right now they're buried at 11th or 12th. And that's something Painter's going to have to deal with. Obviously, at the end of the season, there's some decisions that need to be made because I think Purdue is one over on scholarships. Um, if I mean, they're, they're going to be one over. And I think they're not going to have any issues at all, to tell you the truth. I think they're going to have 
um, they're going to be fine for multiple reasons. And um, I don't think it's going to be a sad ending. I just feel like it's going to work itself out. And Painter gives us every indicator to agree with that. We've never seen any personnel issues. I will say one thing is that I remember when Tom Crean used to oversign classes and it always pissed me off because I always thought he's going to just edge somebody out. I still haven't gotten the feeling that Painter has edged a guy out, like said, okay, you're not welcome here anymore, other than people that had done stupid things. There's really nobody on the roster here that looks like they're they're in trouble at all, which is great. Um, but when a guy has left, it's interesting. They've always kept that good uh, relationship with Painter and the program. Let's hope that continues. Um, let's see. Andy Day. Andy Day figured something out. I wore this shirt in the at the um, uh, handsome hour this week, and it was it was in the rotation. It got clean, and I said, "I'm going to do this again. See if anybody notices." Nobody said anything during the um, handsome hour, and he says, "Nice FDU shirt you got there." Exactly, it is. Look, it's they shocked the world. I don't know if you guys know that they shocked the world, and I wear this shirt for a lot of reasons. Okay, one, my go ongoing joke with everybody when they see me wear it. I've had Purdue fans say, "Take that off. What are you doing?" Right. I love an underdog story, guys. Who doesn't love an underdog story? And the reason this shirt is shocking is where Purdue's program is, okay? A one getting beat by 16 is so freaking rare. It's so painful for us, right? I'm not embracing the situation that I'm good with Purdue sucking, good with them bowing out in the tournament, but I am embracing the thing. This is a fact. This is what it is. And Purdue got beaten by a 16, and that was a bad 16, but they found a way. David versus Goliath, literally. That team was not tooled up to play Purdue and to beat them, but they found a way. And so I bought this shirt to say, yep, I'm not running from this. I'm not, you know, you guys can make your jokes. Listen, I'm five foot four. I've always been good at beating people to the short joke, okay? So I got to be it the same way and say, all right, I'm embracing this whole thing. And it is not fun, but it's true. It happened. And the shirt's kind of cool. I like the design. If the, sh if the design didn't suck, I wouldn't have bought the shirt. But thanks to our friends at Home Field, I got the shirt. Very good spot, though. Um, let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. Yeah, Dale and Clements bring up, wouldn't we have 14 on the scholarship now, though? Yeah, so it's either one or two over. I don't think there's going to be any issues. Like I and I'm not going to get into why I don't think there's any issues because it, it goes into me theorizing about the roster coming ahead and guys making decisions about their future life. But let's let's look back two years. That's what I'd say. If you guys want any reason to believe there's not going to be any issues, just look back two years. How everything was handled by Painter, how everything was handled by um, those guys who uh, could have come back and they decided not to and... It was a very, very good thing for all parties involved. Just look back at that, how that was handled. I think Painter uh, really uh, treats these guys like men, and he tells them the situation, and he talks to them, and he talks to their families. I don't know if it, when they're seniors, if he brings their parents into the room. I bet he doesn't at that point. I know he does when they're young, and he's thinking about redshirting them, but he's always straight up with them. This is one thing that I think you have to uh, appreciate about Painter. Um, let's see. I'm gotta, i got to get off here. Um, let's see. Yeah, I got to get off here. I'm sorry. A ton of people on here. Really appreciate you guys. Um, really appreciate you guys. There's one great comment on here. Uh, Nate Anderson says, says is, is Harris saucy. Uh, too much sauce, actually, in case you're wondering, Nathan. So thanks to everybody. I see John Harrell's here, uh, my buddy John. Uh, thanks for tuning in. And I know John is a busy, important man, just like all of you guys 
and girls who are tuned in here do appreciate you tuning in live, but I got to call it a day because I've got a meeting at 2.30 and I'm probably not going to be there on time. Until we talk again, maybe it'll be a quick cast. Nope, there probably won't be a quick cast tomorrow, but until we talk again, maybe Monday, who knows? Um, we obviously have a post game Monday too, but um, we're going to have to figure out what we're doing with the handsome hour, but we'll have an update for you on Twitter. Or, uh, we'll figure out how to schedule that out again. Um, maybe Sunday night like we did last week, or maybe we'll do the block of content like we talked about doing. So thanks again for tuning in. God bless you. Hammer down. We'll see you.